All righty. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Hi, Pastor. Hey, Steve. I'm back from Vegas. Back from Sin City. Sin City. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it has uh, been some trip. We we went to Vegas, and uh, we're calling this Rants from Vegas because we're going to talk about something today that uh, I noticed while we were there. But uh, the reason that we went, my wife, Adina, she has a, uh, a paparazzi business, the jewelry business. Some of you people uh, who watch you may know that. And they had a convention. Okay, so they have a convention there. We have uh, sessions and all that. I, had, I literally actually had to do my job while I was there. I worked every morning. I worked, and then we could go do things or what have you. Um, they had a lot of glitz, and there was a lot of glamour. I have, this is our very first trip to Las Vegas. I've never been there before. And um, so there's a few things that I learned. Number one, it's, it's it, you know, there's a, the lights are wonderful, but the lights can only be noticed in the dark. Yeah, that would be true. If you look at it, you know, just think about this for a minute. You got, uh, uh, you know, and all these different, all these hotels and all this type of thing, and the strip. I'll tell you about that here. Just some, uh, some, but anyway, the lights come on when the darkness invades. Now, think about that. The lights come on, and people love it. I mean, it's just it, the, the lights are nice, and oh, look at that. There's like a sphere in there. Then they got. Uh, um, well, I mean, there, there's a lot of things. We had to, we stayed at the MGM Grand, which was, folks, I'm going to tell you what, everything is high-priced in Vegas. Now, you can talk about a few rants, and then we'll get into our subject. But number one, everything is high-priced. I mean, we, uh, you know, you think you can have a breakfast? I was trying to, I literally spent my first evening figuring out how we were going to kind of make things, make the money stretch during the course of this thing. Now, well, number one, I don't gamble. And Pastor, I did not gamble. I thought about it. No, I'm kidding. But, no, I, uh, we, we didn't gamble, uh, and we don't do that. But now, pa Pastor, you were telling me a story about another pastor who said that, or a minister that actually goes there and gambles. What is his concept? You, that was kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, it goes back a few years ago, but uh, I have one particular minister that he and his wife, uh, well, at, at a little backdrop, they, he had a little side business okay. where they were selling cruise packages and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, that's back in some of the deregulation of the things like that. And, and, uh, and I, in fact, I even did a little bit of it myself, and uh -huh. I never made any money with it. <laughs> but as far as selling cruises, in other words, we could book cruises for people. Yeah. And uh, you'd get leads and, and all that. Well, anyway, uh, he uh, he did well with it. So, you know, I don't know. He just sold a bunch of them. And uh, and then he would get a, you know, a cruise. He could go on a discounted rate. Okay. I could, and by the way, I could have done the same thing. I got it because I was associated with this particular uh, 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 what do you would call it? I 
Kings. It wasn't called travel agency. Okay. Uh, you know, I worked under their license. Yeah. And that's how that you know they made money off us when we sold a cruise. Sure. Anyway, and so I already could take a cruise at discounted price. I never, this was in the nineties. I never did. Okay. I, I just I've been on one cruise in my life. I finally went in two thousand four. And to be very honest with you, it's about the most boring thing I ever did in my life. I, that I, that's not my cup of tea. Okay. Uh, but you know, hey, knock yourself out if you want to go. Um, but but so so anyway, he was telling me, uh, you know, a pretty good minister friend of mine. And he told me that uh, they did the uh, gambling on the ship. Okay. And, uh, and of course, when you're, I guess when you're doing that in international waters, there's a tax issue mm. that you get a little break from. And uh, so uh, what they would do, because I was a little surprised when he told me that, because in the Assemblies of God, that is frowned on <laughs> uh, very, very hard. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's considered... Not very good stewardship, and I would agree with that. Uh, but what he told me is that they would take, you know, like you go on excursions. If you've ever been on a cruise, there is excursions that you could take based on the different port cities that you go to. Yeah. And uh, and you, you spend some money on excursions. Uh, but, uh, but, but anyway, so what they did is if they were going to go, like, to, say, two ports. Yeah. They would take the excursion money. Let's just say it was two hundred dollars. Okay. And instead of going on that excursion, they would they would go on one. The other one they would use for the slot machines. Okay, so they gambled. Okay. And uh, and and he told me, and he was he was telling me how to do it. And by the way, he said that they have that all the cruises they had been on. They've been on a lot of them. Mm -hmm. They had never had to pay for one of those cruises in the sense that even the part they had to pay for, they made so much money on the slot machine that it more than paid for the cruise. And so what they would, they, they, they had their excursion money, so if it was $200, then they would use that. And they, they made a, an agreement with themselves, him and his wife, that if for some reason, they if they spent the 200 and they didn't win anything, that, that was it. it. Yeah, it was and, so, and they had the discipline to do it. Yeah. Not many people have that. No. Uh, that's why Las Vegas has a lot of pretty lights on. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, so, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't, I, you know, he was telling me, hey, go on a cruise, just, make, just take your excursion money and all that other kind of stuff. And he told me, he gave me some advice, you know. Don't go machine to machine. You know, things yeah, that keep you hear on the same one. Either Watch way. for those people that get frustrated. Yeah, and steal, well, their, and steal machine. their machine. Yeah. You know, like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and so, yeah, fast forward to 2004. And uh, the, the church I was pastoring at that time uh, uh, paid for me to go on a cruise. Okay. And uh, and my wife was really looking forward to it. When I say I didn't like it, I'm not saying it wasn't totally bad. It just, not my cup. Anyway, All right. uh, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, we went, and the first day we were there, and my pastor friend had told me, make sure, take your excursion money, yeah, and, and, uh, and go spend go it, slot, you know, yeah. and do that, and uh, and so anyway, so I, and I, we had talked about it, and, and I said, I don't think, I just don't feel comfortable about this, I yeah. just, I don't, <clears throat> I can't show you 
the portion of scripture where it says it's sinful. That's the thing I was going to ask you know about, and I think we ought to. I'm just going to throw it out. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going going to. Going to um, I we didn't talk about it before. I'm just going to ask you right now. Is it sin to gamble? Man, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I probably there's, should have told you, but there's that is nothing in the Bible that says thou shalt not gamble. No. Now, there's plenty of, of scripture that we can look to. Well, if we took the, 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 the tithing as a concept, okay. that's about stewardship. Yes. It's about trusting God with our finances. Um, you know, let's, every, the, about the only thing I can think of that involves gambling is when they were gambling yeah. over the, about the, Jesus' garments. Jesus' garments. You know, that, 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 that is used as a defense, yeah. as saying you sin to gamble. Yeah, and, and, and that wasn't what, that was just irreverence. No, to the Christ. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, they were murdering him on a cross. I, I, I don't think that's the problem that they. Have. I don't think God's going to say, you know what, you're going to go to hell because you gambled. Mm -hmm. No, I think you're going to go to hell because you nailed my son to a cross. Yeah. Even yeah. though it was in His plan to do so. When they selected the twelfth after Judas had killed himself, thrown himself off the cliff, and they said that. Um, that the Bible is quite graphic there because it explained how he hit the side and it, all of his innards went out, whatever. But anyway, Judas killed himself, and so they had to have another and the disciples, and so they drew lots. Now, what is drawing lots? You know, that's a practice. By the way, this is the last time it was ever used in, in the Bible. You can make an argument that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, you never see this practice okay. repeated. So we're talking about people who had the Holy Spirit with them but not in them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, they were trying to get some sort I, I, of divine I'm revelation. I'm going faith. to give you, and this is my opinion. Uh, I think they did the wrong thing. Okay. I honestly believe they did the wrong thing. If they just would have been a little patient, a little dude named Paul was going to come around. And uh, do you think Paul was meant to be the, the whole man? Hold that! I'm opening up a can of worms. Well, all I know is if the Apostle Paul had Jesus Himself appear to him. Yes. And apparently, there was more to that than just that one time, uh, because he said his whole entire gospel he didn't get from anybody else but Jesus Himself. Yeah, I, I, there's there's questions about him being called of heaven uh, in the second letter of Corinthians. I believe that's the twelfth chapter uh, there or the fourteenth. I, I forget which one it is. He talks in the third person. Almost yeah. every theologian, every scholar believes he's talking about himself. There is that mention of being in Arabia for a couple of years. Yeah, in Galatians, and people sometimes put pieces together. It's we don't know, but my but this is this is the reason why I say I believe that they they did the wrong thing on casting lots. Not that it was sinful. No, uh, they're just doing it to. It's you know if the lot fall if you you know the lot it's like drawing straws you know yeah. that same kind of concept 
and uh, and then we're going to make a, a decision between this guy and this guy on who God wants. Uh, the reason I believe that that was wrong for them to do it that way, I'm not saying it's utterly sinful in the sense, but when I say it's wrong, is because God doesn't hide anybody's mistakes. Uh, in the book of Acts, we get Paul and Barnabas in a sharp, that's how Luke records it, a sharp dispute. Yeah. That there's, there's, there's some angry men right there. Okay. And it split that whole apostolic team up. Now, one could argue that maybe they got twice as much done. Uh, you know, they, they don't sound, it doesn't sound like a real Christian thing that happened there. Yeah. All right. It, it sounds like two people that are being pretty stubborn. Yeah. And I think they were both wrong. Uh, but, so it didn't hide anything. It didn't hide David's sin. No. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't hide what Bible Abraham doesn't lies. It doesn't, and it, by the way, it doesn't say that Abraham was a sinful person to be lied. It just states what he did. Yeah. And by the way, he was wrong to do it. Yes, he was. I need to trust God. All right. So, and when we look at this casting lots, this way of this way of determining who's going to be the next apostle, I think they did the wrong thing. Okay. That, that's my opinion. Okay. No, okay. That's my because opinion. That particular instance, there, I have heard it. I have heard it as justification. It says it's okay to. to it's, there's nothing wrong with gambling. It's used as justification. Well, the problem with gambling is while we don't have a scripture that points to it per se, uh, what we do know about gambling, um, I'm thinking about a really good instance. Anyway, uh, we can't use that illustration. <laughs> but the point uh, of it is that we know it can be addictive. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that if you go buy a Powerball lotto ticket and you buy one of them that you have sinned against God. But, okay. But, 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 but I have stood in line at a gas station yes. with people in there. And they this guy, with a load and, of these. I, I, this one yeah. guy, he was going to buy, I forget how many uh, Powerball things. I said, out of curiosity, I said, I, no judgment. I said, All right. Do you just do this occasionally? He said, no, no, no. I do this every week. And I said, how much money are you spending every week? He said, about every week. I spend about $70. 70 Yeah, $70 a week. I, 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 got, I, got, well, I, I got a guy you. that said he was spending over 100 to $200 a week. Well, this on, is in the 90s when I talked to this yeah. guy. And he's spending $70 a week. He didn't look like he had $70 a week spent. And I asked him, I said, well... How much do you win? And he said, oh, yeah, sometimes I'll win about maybe twenty or thirty dollars. So he's spending seventy, winning back twenty or thirty. He's losing forty a week. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I was kind of hoping just by asking the question that he might kind of see it. Yeah, he didn't. He went up there and laid his money down yeah. and bought it. And you know, and and, and gambling is. It's almost, it's almost, almost a form of coveting, in a way. Yeah. It, it, at least an allusion to it. I'm not saying once again. The money is, you know, the, you want well, to live well, the lifestyle. The Bible talks about the love of money, not money itself. The love, love of, of money. Paul Timothy yeah. is the root of all kinds of evil. Okay. 
and you got to ask yourself a question, you know, and you know, if you bought a lot of that Powerball, I think this was like over a billion dollars and one person won it. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure that they're probably pretty happy right now. Well, but, the, happy, but the but question is, where's what, what, it going to be in five years? Yes. Because the history of lotto winners is tragic. I mean, the overwhelming majority of people, I'm talking about big lottos. Yeah. Within five years, not only will they have spent all that money, uh, they're in trouble with the IRS. Oh, yeah. Some of these <laughs> people are taxes. Oh, yeah. Talk about the people that die, people uh -huh. that kill people for their money. Um, you know, it, it, we, we see this with athletes. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of syndrome. Uh, somebody gets a big contract. You know, maybe they play college football. You know, Vince Young is a good illustration. Yeah, yeah. And he's by no means the only person. No. But, you know, he, he wasn't raised in a real affluent place in Houston. Yeah. You know, and I mean, not that he was raised in the hood. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that, you know, I mean, he was very wealthy. I don't think his family was middle class. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're below that. And, and you know, uh, he got a scholarship to go to the University of Texas. Yeah. And, uh, and, and by the way, he was a great quarterback. For, I mean, they won a national championship. He's drafted, I think, third overall mm -hmm. in the draft. Uh, if I remember right, it was over $40 million. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, like, and, and what I was told is, and I, I watched a, a thing on this years ago, that they set down all, all these athletes that get these big contracts, and they teach them about what's called sudden wealth syndrome. Yes. They got a, they got a, name, they got a name for it. Yeah. And they talk about sudden wealth what syndrome. to avoid, what how to handle this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about it. I mean, I mean wow. You gotta have somebody teach you how to handle a bunch this of money. Not you call it a syndrome. No, they they get a lot of money. I mean, there's mounds of money. My mom told me the story that she was getting ready to retire from the um, air force. I work in civilian for the air force. They were going to. They were giving her a lump sum for her retirement. And so what they did is every one of those people, and this is the government, or, uh, civilian working, whatever. Anyway, they brought her in. Every one of those people had to attend a class, which what you're talking about here, sudden yeah. syndrome flow, because they had to literally train them. Because you, this is your retirement. This is it. Yeah, right? there's nothing else. There's nothing else. You blow that, you'll, you'll be on the street. And you had to, they had to teach them how to handle that money. Because I, people don't know how to handle money. I was watching this, and like I said, it's been years ago. But this one guy, he, he said he won $140 million. That's what his part was after it was over. Yeah. And he, and he, he was one of the success stories. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he said was, he said, I am so thankful that I had a few people very successful businessmen yeah. that I already knew. They took me aside and they gave me some of the best advice that could have ever been given. They said, you've got all this money. You designate a little bit to help people. Mm -hmm. Pay off your bills. Get debt free. Yeah. That's fine. 
but before you start going to buy a bunch of toys and all this other stuff, yeah, yeah. you're going to treat this money like you would treat a business. Yeah. And he said, and they gave me specific things on how I could invest my money, mm -hmm. what I should use it for, or this money would make money for me. And he was given this. He said, this has been over five years. He said, not only uh, have I been able to improve my life and help some people, but he said, I don't just have that money. I have, that money's made money for me. Yeah, it, it And he treated it like a business. Yeah. You know, the point of it is, not everybody's going to do that. In fact, very few people very do that. Very few people do and, that. And, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of like the person that, like my, my pastor friend of them, was that sinful of them to go gamble? Well, you know, that's between them and God. I can't point to anything in Scripture no. that says that they did anything wrong. Okay, so... The, the that, problem, that, okay. But the problem I'm saying is, yes, maybe they did have the discipline. Maybe they had the fortitude to take $200 mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and only use it and nothing else. Yeah. Okay, maybe they had that discipline. But here's the point. How many people did they share that testimony to? How many people... Uh, found out they were preachers on that boat. How many people found that out? And how many of those people went and did the same thing they did and lost their shirt? Or they couldn't hold back and they started yes. their, or, or spending what, their house you money know one of the or reasons their, their I didn't do it. bill or whatever. The reason I didn't do it when I was on the boat, it wasn't about whether I thought this was sinful. I, I mean, I, I, I know there's nothing in the Bible that tells me I can't do it. Yeah. But what I what I was fearful of, or what there's a little maybe that's too strong of a word. Yeah. Concerned. Concerned. Let's use that word. I thought, what if I win? Yeah. And you see, they got you coming and going. Yeah. What if I win? Yeah, they got you coming and going there because if you win, you're over here having to do the sudden wealth syndrome. Uh, we're well, talking about that. If you don't win. You lose everything. Yeah. You know, and even if I would have took the 200 let's just say I would have won $2,000. Yeah. And it would have been enough to pay for my cruise. Yeah. Well, I didn't, well my cruise already paid for it. I wouldn't yeah. have to worry about it. So that would have just been money in the bank. And then all of a sudden, and, and I'm going to use some examples that we have today. Yeah. That I don't know if they were around back then. But maybe I'm in a... Maybe I start looking at some of this legalized gambling that I can do over the internet. Maybe I look at DraftKings. Maybe I look at uh, some of these other things that you can uh, gamble on. You know, you can gamble <coughs> on presidential elections. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can gamble about. Yeah. Well, maybe I thought that, man, you know what? Maybe I got that touch. You know, maybe, you know, all of a sudden, and here's the problem. You Maybe you win, but all of a sudden you start losing, but you're still way ahead of the game. And it becomes an obsession to you. Yeah. I know people that are very obsess obsessive in their personality. Mm -hmm. That's why these people can't drink one drink. This is why people can't uh, eat one piece of chocolate. There's, there's, you, you understand? Yeah, they're, yeah. They're obsessed. They, 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 they just do things. Yeah. You know, and, and in my personality, I mean, I'm really not an obsessive person. Mm. Uh, you know, now there are things that sometimes I've had to say no to. Uh, one of the things I don't really eat hardly, it's in a blue moon, is anything that's chocolate. Yeah. I just had to give that up. 
I'm battling just the bread. I'm just trying to get rid of the get bread. Get off those carbs. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> you know, and I do good for a while, and I fall back into the white bread syndrome. But, yeah. But that's another story. Uh, but, no, I mean, like I said, I think the part of gambling is if I would caution anyone, why are we putting our faith? for God to bless us on a slot machine. I mean, I'm not saying people are going to go to hell for doing it. That's no, not no, no, I mean. no. We're not, we're not at that level. That, that, though, that's but that I like that this thought. By the right. way, I don't think anybody's going to hell because of gamble. No. Uh, even if you lose your shirt, you're just stupid. All right? You know, that's, that's what you're just going to suffer in this life. You know, okay. we, don't, we don't go to hell because we gamble. We go yeah. to hell because we reject Christ. Yeah. Okay? And uh, the problem with gambling is... There is a danger that if you won enough, it, it might lead you away from him. That is a cautionary tale. That well, I but didn't you say how how hard it was for the rich man to enter to the kingdom? And you know the the rich young ruler, Jesus encountered him, and he said, "I what if I what do I need to do to go to heaven?" He said, "Well, do this, 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 that." Well, I've done that all for my youth. And then Jesus knew him. You see, this is the thing is, that when I talk about Jesus, Jesus knew that individual. He knew that young man. And he knew what his Achilles heel or whatever term you want to yeah. use. And he says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you'll have riches in heaven and come and follow me. By the way, this is the only person other than the 12 that he called follow him. There are other people that want wow. to but he's the only other one. The one who didn't accept the call. He might have been the twelve apostle. You'd have thirteen. He could have had that instead of Jim. You would have had, had thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Think about that for a second. You'd have had thirteen apostles. Okay. Judas Iscariot would kill himself. And then, and then you're not the casting lots. You're not casting lots. No, you're not. But now we know he did not respond to it. Uh, you know, I, I have to say this because I'm not going to say the minister's name because I... <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Okay. I'm not going to say it because if I can't if I can't verify it's been a while since yeah. I heard this analogy. Uh, this particular prosperity faith preacher, let's just put it that way, uh, and he's on television. Uh, that much I do know. But it I may have the wrong one. All right. Teaching on this rich ruler. This is what he said. And he's preaching a message on prosperity. Okay. He said, this rich young ruler, he said he missed a great opportunity. He said, you realize under the Abrahamic covenant and the blessings of God that God promised under the old covenant in relation to giving. Yes. Uh, he said... You know, and he, he pulled out the famous passages. God has given us power to get wealth, you know, those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, oh yeah. And I'm not, I, I, I'm for all that. Okay, I mean, I believe God does give people creative ideals and blessings. Yes, he does. He, he does. doesn't make us all millionaires, but but I mean, you know, there you go, whatever. Uh, and so he said, this young man, if, if he just would have gave all his money to the poor, uh -huh. if he just would have done it. Yeah and started following Jesus, that there would be a hundredfold blessing that would come Here back. Here we go. 
I mean, I don't go. know if he used the word hundredfold, <laughs> but, but, I, but they, they talked the about that. Blessing. He said God would have blessed him well beyond what he gave. Mm -hmm. That's not the context of that story. It's not a question about giving and receiving. It's a call to discipleship and to follow him. Yeah, yeah I mean, what a misuse of the passage uh, to butcher it, to convince people to give money to your ministry. Because I guarantee you, he wasn't expecting them to give money to the poor. Well, he's just saying, well, if you just, if you give, when they're on TV telling you to give, I'm sure they're not worried about your church. They're probably not. They're you probably know, worried about you picking up that phone or writing that check and sending them a check or whatever. The thing here is, uh, don't, don't even get, you get me started on that type of thing. But yeah, that's about the rich man. He could have he, he, he just threw that money in and he could have pulled that slot machine and bam! Right, there was. was. Hundredfold right there. Hundredfold. I mean, hundredfold. He could be following Jesus. And I, you know, you know, I guess this is the way it would have happened is right before they uh, kill him and martyr him uh, for Christ, somebody's going to go hand him a big check three times or a hundred times what he gave. Yeah. Like it'll do him a lot of good. I mean they can bury it in the casket. These apostles <coughs> excuse me. They were with Jesus. <coughs> Sorry about that. These apostles were with Jesus. Jesus said he didn't even have a place to lay his head. These they were homeless. They were wandering around. They were probably they could have been staying in other people's houses or whatever. But they were homeless. And you're going to tell me that this guy could have—he could—he could have just—he could have hit the big one. Yeah, that, that, like I said, that's a misuse of a passage of scripture. I mean, they'll talk uh, in terms of there was a bunch of rich women that were supporting Jesus's ministry. The Book of Mark does record some of their names. Okay. Yeah, they had money coming into their ministry. They had to eat. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not dismissing that, but if you take any of the apostles, if you take any, whether you're talking about the Apostle Paul, well, I mean, mm -hmm. the Philippian letter, he gave up everything. Yeah. His reputation, yes. his means of income, he preached the gospel and worked at the same time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Think, think about that one just <coughs> a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, who do you want to be your pastor? The Apostle Paul? Or some fat cat up there getting rich off everybody's offerings. Okay, think about that one just for a second. Yeah. You know, which one do you want? Uh, which one do you have? You know, you know I, and, and, and this, I'm not this is caused way, confusion in I'm, the church. I'm, I'm not mean, against the ministry being supported. Yeah. I'm not against that. <clears throat> what I am against is some flashy preacher getting up on television and making you feel like either lying to you about your giving that God's going to give you back all this by the dumb preacher that oh, you mean like God send me a thousand dollars and God will break the back of, prosper or of yeah. poverty off like, your back and I want to make it abundantly clear Mike Murdoch that is false doctrine that is and you need to stop that okay that's all I'm going to say about that I'm not saying my hey, you were, you were running around and I, I that went ahead and went for it. That, that is yeah. that is evil. That message is heresy. Yeah. And by the way, Kenneth Wait Hagen 
tried to correct that before he died. Yes, he did. Apparently, some of those haven't listened. All right, but neither here nor there. Um, but but the point, the, the biggest problem about gambling and, and like Las Vegas and and you know, and there's a lot of good Christians that live in Las Vegas that don't participate. Oh in. yeah, they're yeah. The not saying that there's not no Christians see, or churches gonna, out there, or whatever. Yeah, I you're, mean, you're not going to see them but, out there. But here here is okay. Let me let me let me take a moment and describe the hotel that we were in. This will give you an idea. Las Vegas wants to be everything. They want it. It's called the MGM Grand. This, this, I'm not saying anything that's like a you know. Uh, you go down there. There are slot machines. I mean, uh, there there are all sorts of machines. You got your poker over here. You got your uh, uh, craps table. Over here, throwing the dice. Um, you got your slot machines and all the electronic computerized all over the place. These, these. I mean, uh, Adina and I had to walk. I don't know how long through these places to get to another place to go to meetings. Uh, or there were restaurants there as well. But here, this is the one thing that really. One time, I, I, I they were we were in a line going somewhere. And they, the line brought us through this area. I had never seen this before in all my life. There was TVs all over the place with all different sporting events. We're talking uh, races, uh, ball games, basketball, all of the different sports. And there's a whole bunch of these guys at desks right there that you could go and place your bet. I mean, I, I look at this and this is bookie heaven right here. Oh, yeah, you can bet on anything. And, I mean, they were over there having two cockroaches. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but not that. No. But you see, the thing is, this is all-encompassing um, betting and gambling. And so this is, but it's all ritzy, too. And you look, oh, all these fancy steakhouses and fancy this and fancy that. We did find one restaurant, which I thought was pretty good. It was, But the price, oh, my goodness. Um... You could not get you could not get breakfast. I think I, I, we went. I got a couple of Danishes and uh, a couple of cups of coffee for my wife and I. It was twenty five dollars. And I'm over here going, yeah, okay. And then dinner, I paid one hundred and fifty twice for dinner. I'm not saying about we're not no by no means richer, but but the thing is, is that. Uh, and that was it took a lot of planning, by the way. But at the same time, way overpriced. And then I'm over here going, okay, does this stuff taste any good? And I said, well, it's, it's adequate. I asked Adina, uh, I said, is this, what do you do? I mean, are you just blown away by this? And, you know, I've, I've tasted better burgers over at um, Whataburger. And I'm over here going, Okay, there's something wrong here because uh, this thing should be the uh, we should be going here and things should be just fun and and all this and and then the food should be really good no and it started in my mind I started getting this thought I said this is superficiality the the term that came to my mind was superficiality in other words you have a front like you're you look good. But when you start partaking of it, or you start getting into it, 
you realize that there's nothing in there. And this is what brought me, Pastor, to the to the verse. I said, it just came to my mind, and uh, let's read it here. I think we talked about it. Where, where were we going to begin? 25 here? And this is in Matthew 23, beginning. And Jesus had a problem with the scribes and Pharisees. He, he had a problem with them because they did a lot of things to make people feel they were spiritual. Yeah, they, they uh, <clears throat> you know, and probably a, a good a good number of these that, you know, I'm sure it wasn't all the Pharisees, but, uh, but the ones he was talking to, they, who knows what their motivation was? I mean, people sometimes just get in a, a form of doing something because they saw somebody else do it. Yeah. By the way, this happens in church life all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why for sometimes I do this. On, I, and by the way, I don't, I don't tell people. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling them. I mean, sometimes I just dress normal for church. I mean, this morning, yeah. it's amazing. I, I come to church and I'm in... Dark blue jeans. Well, I mean, got a pair of boots on. Yeah. And this is, for the better sake of the word, a collared shirt. Yeah. This is what I wore to church on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, and I was, I don't bring attention to it. I don't say anything because a lot of times I wear a suit mm -hmm. and uh, a tie, or I'll just wear a suit and a you know without a tie, and, uh, and and do all that. But you know, I just part of me, I just you know, I just felt right. Yeah. And uh, and I, I like to do this occasionally. And not make any mention of it to anyone. Okay. And it, just to bring in a reality that we don't have to be dressed a certain way mm -hmm. to be a Christian. Yeah. Well, and, I, and it's not about clothes. Don't misunderstand no, me. No. We, a lot of people will dress in their Sunday best. Oh yeah, so then they go to meet the globe. And then when they get out of church, then they live a normal life that doesn't look anything different than anybody else they work with. Yeah. I mean, if you try to prosecute them for being a Christian and you take out their There's Sunday... There's very little evidence. <laughs> I, and I'm not trying to be ugly about that. I think sometimes we get conditioned in yes, yes. We get very, very superficial... I, I use the term this morning, uh, compartmentalizing. We yeah. don't we don't do that in our Christian walk. I am a the Lordship of Jesus Christ is as much a reality to me wherever I'm at, mm -hmm. not just in church. Yeah, you know, and, and so and that doesn't yeah, to be perfect. It's got to be real. You, yeah, you have to be real. And the, the the thing here is, <clears throat> well, let, let me just read this verse just real. Jesus had trouble with some of the scribes and Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. You want a definition of hypocrite? Look at Matthew 23. Go through all of that. See all the stuff that he's There's talking eight, about. eight woes, but we're not going to go through Yeah, we're not going to do the eight woes. <laughs> I tell you what, we could, but maybe another time. This one says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish. But inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. That word self-indulgence. And you know what? Uh, the Apostle Paul used that similar terminology, and I believe that was in Colossians 2. 
Okay. And uh, or he talked about people that do this, you know, severe treatment of the body. Yeah. Uh, they take their stand on visions they had or angels and you know whatever. And he makes a point to say that these things have an appearance, have an appearance of being spiritual. Yeah. It's, it looks good, but he says it has no value against the indulgences of the flesh. Yeah. And that's what he's saying. It, that's it, what he said. The extortion self indulgence. He said blind Pharisee calls them blind. Okay, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish. That the outside of them may be clean also. Hey, you know what, Pastor? I think I'm going to invite you over to my house today. I'm going to get some of my cups and I'm going to have, that we've used, and I'm just going to have my dogs just clean them out and lick, lick, lick out of them, and they're going to look really nice. Now, how many of you, if I, if we ever did that, would sit? Would you come over? I would probably never come over to my house again. Well, I mean, can you imagine if? Let's say you have a teen dip in a, in a, in a bowl, you know. And okay. let's say that, you know, you ate most of it, but you know, and you leave it out on the counter. Yeah. And it kind of crusts up a little bit. And so you wash the outside of the bowl. Yeah. And then you pour it out, and everybody is going to have a bowl of cereal the next morning. And that outside of that bowl looks clean. You look inside there, you see that dried up bean dip. I'm telling you, that'd be gross. It's, it and I, is. And that's what he's saying. You you know, clean the inside of it. Yes. Get, you know, Do your dishes, and, and, man. And by, and by the way, really. he's talking about the ins, yeah. what's in your heart. Yes, I know. You know, yeah. I mean, just, you know, hey. And, and by the way, if you look at those eight woes, and we don't have time to deal with them. Yeah. Uh, but let me just read this, uh, this, uh, this one, verse 14. And it's bracketed. That probably means something. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. That probably means there's a textual variant there. Uh, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses. wonder what that could mean. Devour widows' they houses. Devour widows' houses. And for a pretense, you make long prayers. These are the things you're doing publicly. Oh, man. I just... Devour widows' houses. Yeah. How, how many of us are, are uh, in the ministry that we're praying on elderly people's pension checks? No, don't even get me started. <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, for a pretense to make long prayers because you want people to think you're spiritual. And, you know, I remember a story about uh, Smith Wigglesworth. He said some dude was praying and he was just getting angry. And I'm over here going, well, I'm reading this. Because they were just going on and on and on and on. And he, he was just getting upset. He says, what is this? And, and the, the thing is, is that when, when we sit there and we use something like prayer to try to pump us up, to make us look like we're spiritual because, oh, God, to do this, you know, and all this type of thing, we're putting on a show. Well, you know, this is what I've, I've observed in my limited experience in life, I'll be seven, 57. Let's get that right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're going to see the birthdays coming up. Week yeah. And, yeah. and all like that. It's so old happy man. birthday to me. Anyway, yeah. I'm not looking forward to this one. Uh, uh, but my point I'm saying is 
I have made an observation about people in church that pray long prayers, yeah. even long prayers over food. Mm-hmm. All that. And one of the things, and I'm talking when I say long prayers, I'm talking about unnaturally long prayers. Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed that these people do not have very good prayer lives. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about what you do in private. Yeah, you know that Matthew six, that secret place of prayer. Sure, you know. I mean, you know, like somebody. I've talked to enough people to know, and uh, you know, because these are the questions I ask people when they're in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tell me about your prayer life. Tell me about your emotional life in the Word, and you know, and I get the same answer all the time. Not as much as I should, and find out that ain't never. All this other kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know? they, they and uh, you know, and so we try to encourage yeah. people. You know, hey, you can start at the basics. You know, why do you want to do that? It's not about because that's going to make you more spiritual. It's about you need God's help, and you need to avail yourself of what God has given you in the Word, and that has a way of changing you and renewing your mind and giving you God's thoughts so that you'll make better decisions. That's what we're really looking for. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but what I was saying is I, I remember as a kid, I, I was probably maybe 10. Yeah. And one of my third cousins, he was considerably older than me, he pastored uh, a church on the coast. And, uh, and, and by the way, that was a big church. Mm-hmm. You're running around six, 700, and this was back in the 60s, oh, 70s. There weren't any big old charismatic churches back then. Yeah. And uh, anyway, and so, I mean, he, their church was like fourth in uh, world giving and missions. They, they were. And I had been a part of that church as a little person yeah, okay. when we lived there. Yeah. And anyway, so this is, you know, uh, this is, you know, years later. So I'm probably about 10. I'll say 10. Yeah. And, uh, and we're at family reunion. And, uh, you know, we've got about 100 people here. We've got all this food lined up. And mm-hmm. Everybody's brought, you know, everything's covered dish. Okay. And, you know, and we're under an awning. We're not inside a building. We're under an awning. My papa normally cooked all the meat, so there's your brisket, there's oh, chicken, there, I mean, there's oh, everything. This is good stuff. Red. This looks meat. good. Okay. And uh, and so they asked this minister to pray over the food. Okay. He started praying. He prayed for one hour. One hour. One hour. And and and, and he and, and he laughed about it after he did it. He did it on purpose. I remember as a little guy. Looking at that food thing, it's going to get cold. Yeah. You know, I didn't find it humorous at all. Now, that kind of scarred me up a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, you know well, that's, that's part of the reason why that when, I, you know, people laugh at me when I pray for the food. I mean, I'm pretty direct. Lord, thank you for the food, the fellowship we had, blessed our body in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. God's not stupid. And I don't need a lot of words to impress him on praying for no. him. I was thankful for the food. I asked him to bless it. And I I think we covered it. Yeah. Okay. I don't need to make a long prayer. It's not necessary. No. I've told people before, they say, well, man, that was quick. I said, that's because we pray for the missionaries in private prayer. Yeah. You know, and people, when you tell them that, they quit asking those dumb questions. Why was that so short? Why did you do that for? That's because if you'd have been at that family reunion like I was, yeah, 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 you drilled into it. Going to Southwestern, oh, no, we, we, we were, uh, one of my friends was graduating that year at Jimmy Townsend, I believe. No, it was Jimmy. 
was it Jimmy? No, it wasn't Jimmy. It was Wade. Wade Jr. He was graduating. He was a little bit ahead of us. Mm -hmm. We were going to take him to the San Francisco Steakhouse in Dallas. Yeah. I'd never been. This was going to be interesting. Anyway, uh, and but, but Jimmy had, and he said this would be great. So we had agreed we're going to pray, pay for Wade, who had never been anywhere like this. I had never been anywhere like this. Yeah. They had pretty good food. There was no woman swinging from a swing up there. No. And so he, Jimmy was disappointed on that. Oh. But, I mean, but it was a nice steakhouse. So anyway. And so we, we um, so so here we are, and we want to go to this thing, and they had this graduation ceremony, and they asked this older minister to get up here and pray. That's all he had to do, just pray. Just pray a blessing on the graduates and everybody like that. Yeah. He prays for an hour. Oh. I know because I looked at my clock when he started, my watch. Mm -hmm. And I and I and, and I should really once somebody goes over about five minutes, you can feel you it. really watch it pray. <laughs> anyway, it. And, and, and this dude prayed for an hour. There was so much pomp and circumstance in that ceremony. I was like, if I get robbed of going to this steakhouse tonight, I'm not I'm gonna be upset. Fortunately they were open late. We were able to get there and all like that. But you know, but that's this long prayers. I mean, I mean, the, the question is, why do people? And, and I'm going to speak to ministers. Why do we get up there and get these pious prayers, and we just go on and on and on and on and on? Man, if you want to do something like that, brother, that's what the private closet of prayer is for. Yeah. Not you getting up there doing that. Don't take care of your week's worth of yeah, uh, yeah, prayer. Your, your long prayers is probably going to turn people off yeah. more than it's going to help people. Uh, there's a time for intercession. It's not in your pulpit. Okay? That's not the moment for it. Right? Uh, so, but my, my, my point there is they were hypocrites. This is yeah. They were. They, they, they devoured Will's houses. Long prayers. I'm so spiritual. And, uh, and, and they would just simply... But, but you see, that, that has been... Okay, there is a term... Okay, there is a term that's used. And now, uh, this is used on the outside, I mean, in secular type of things. But first of all, many moons ago, there was a thing called uh, positive mental attitude, right? That invaded the church. The, you know, that's all... I guess that's the best way I can put it. It invaded, it invaded the church that we have to talk and speak a certain way. And, okay, now, now Pastor, I believe that you got to watch what you're saying. You know, we talk about in James chapter 3, or I believe it's 3, you know, with all the tongue and, you know, and all yeah. that type of thing. But the thing here is, and then they use terms like, well, Abraham called those things that be not as though they were. And it reminds me of your story about that lady that kept going down to that car dealership and calling that car her own, and then what? she ended up being devastated because it went away. Well, it was a preacher's wife, too. They should have known better. <coughs> and by the way, I mean, that, that, that lady has went on to glory, and I, and I know she went to heaven. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but that's... that's that's faulty theology. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it doesn't bring glory to God. And, and and let's just bring it out. You know, 
there's nothing in God's Word. You know, and, and I, being raised in this Pentecostal charismatic world, I am familiar because some of this garbage I used to allude to a little bit myself. All right. Uh, and so there is nothing in God's Word. There is nothing in God's Word that tells you that your confession is going to bring out some kind of reality. That is a heresy. Yeah, I don't know how it, it is. I'm glad so you said well, yeah. Don't speak that over. You're going to speak death to me. Oh, my Lord. As if our very words. Okay, now here. I'm, I'm, I, let I, let I let got a illustration. Oh, boy. Okay, all righty. <laughs> I, I love Charles Capps. No, don't, don't, I, I love it. I'm right there. I've read all of, a lot of his books, okay? There was a, back in the 70s, he wrote a book called The Tongue of a Creative Sorcerer. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Whatever. What they, people started taking is that you could start confessing your car. You can confess you, that, you, know, you can confess that uh, mansion. You can confess that uh, or whatever. And the the fact that the thing that we literally, with our own words, because he said, like you, you got to understand, God spoke things into existence. So we're His children. So we have the ability to speak things into existence. Now I know this is I'm just, I, I, but this is where the mentality well, comes. Like from. I said, I am not against positive confession. No, but what do we confess? Well. If we're going to talk about confession, what does the word amen mean? It means so be it. So be it. If I want to confess something, I can confess what God said in this. In the word, yes. In the word. Uh, are there certain things that God has promised us in the word? And there are certain blessings that are ours in Christ? Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with confessing that. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's wrong at all, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying about confession. But to... And I, I'll give an illustration. This is an over-the-top. For those of you that listen to us that heard all about the Iraqi dinar, you know, we went to war in Iraq. Yeah. We got rid of all of Saddam Hussein's face off the dinar. And the United States printed a currency for them. Okay. It's a real currency. It's a real country. Mm -hmm. And people began, this guy was all over the news. I'm talking about Fox, CBS. Okay. Everybody was talking about it. Yours truly, a lot of whole bunch of it. I'm going to be buried with it. It's going with me. All right. <laughs> okay. In the heat of those moments, it, oh, it, it, there's stories I could tell about this. But the conversation, I was with a few people, and the conversation came up. And, and, I, and, and I said, I, I just don't think this is ever going to revalue. Okay. I, I just, if it was going to, I think it would have already happened. Yeah. And I got rebuked. Don't do that. I mean, you're, don't be, your negative confession could ruin yeah, all of it. Yeah, you could ruin it. Don't say that. Don't speak negativity to it. You're speaking death to it. I said to her, I said, you don't believe that, do you? They said, yes. Death and life is the power of the tongue. There it is. And they pulled it out, man. I mean, just pulled it out. I said, so, I, let me, I said, let me understand, let me get an understanding of this. Okay. You're telling me 
Because I said, I don't think this will ever rebound. That my words are going to are going it. to stop a currency in this world from revaluing. You are, if you believe you realize how many people have had a negative confession about this? Oh, I'm sure. I said it don't matter what I say about the Iraqi dinar or you say about the Iraqi dinar. You can pray all you want to. Yeah. It's either going to revalue or it's going to revalue. It not. I mean, it's, but this is oh it's, it's almost to the point of being some sort of a mystical thing. You're a bull in the china shop. I mean, you say something wrong, don't you? Don't you know? The big, don't you yeah. speak in depth to that? Hey, oh, you're speaking. We need to speak this over. You know. And okay, hold on. First of all, yes, I believe. You know, we're talking about positive. You know, decent confession. But at the same time, do we? Now, I'm going to ask you this question: Do we, as Christians, have a mystical power within our words? No. Like God? No, we're not God. We're not God. I mean, can we can we speak things that are in the Bible over the issues that affect us? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I have had the Lord speak to me. Okay. Uh, about speaking to a computer once. Yeah. And it don't happen all the time, but I just felt like the Lord said. I watched these two guys messing with this thing. They're so frustrated over this laptop. Couldn't get it to even turn on. Couldn't, I mean, they were flustered. They said, this thing must be broke. They stepped out of the room. The Lord told me, you can go over there and you speak to that computer and you tell it to start working. Yeah. He told me that. Now, that's my subjective experience. I went in, you know, I mean, I saw what God said. You can speak to a mountain. So, you know, yeah, and you I saw, okay, to it. Yeah. all right, well, all right. By the way, I've tried this on other things. It didn't work this well. Uh, but but I, I, I went over there, and I just I just looked. I was real quiet. I wanted to be quiet. I just kind of put my hand on the computer. Sure. I said, now you, computer. I felt so stupid. I said, in the name of Jesus. Okay, yeah. I said, you come on. You turn back on. And you do what those two I walked away. About a minute later, they walked in. They said, let's try it again. They had no idea that I had no. talked to a computer. And, that, and anyway, he hit the button. It came on! It, what? what? <laughs> and they were ecstatic. Now, what did I not do? I didn't come over there and go, my word is powerful. Or blow on it. It was like you stuff. shot somebody. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, you know, I didn't do that. I didn't say a word to them. And and, and you said, well, why would God tell you to do that? I don't know. I... My grandma used to pray. Uh, she, she, she One time, she, her uh, washing machine wasn't working. She went over there, she laid hands up, yes. and she prayed for it. And my goodness, it worked. I mean, it, it, it did something. But you see, that wasn't her. It wasn't her mouth. It was it was God moving. Yeah. You see that we've got to understand that that we do not hold power with it. We are a conduit. Yeah, I didn't raise a computer from the dead. No, I just obeyed the Lord 
and God did whatever he had to do to that thing yeah. to make it come I don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe maybe they wouldn't hold their mouth right. Who knows? I just I just know. And when I say a voice from heaven, it wasn't like some booming voice from heaven. I looked up and saw an angel wink at me from the ceiling. It's nothing like that. Okay. It was just an inner witness in my heart. Yeah. Go up there and speak to that computer and tell it to start yeah. working. Yes. And it was just like, really? Looking around. Okay, let's go. Okay. And I just did it. And I'll be honest with you, this is how much faith I have. I didn't think it'd work. But it did. But then you say, hey, I just got done praying for that after that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've had the Lord do that to me on a few yeah. different occasions. And, uh, and you know, and that's all good. But the point of it is, and I've got to wrap up. Yeah, we, we, my we point is, I, I think those are misuses of Scripture to, um, you're just going to set people up for disappointment. Yes. Is what you're going to do. Is it a, can you speak? I mean, God promises healing. Can you speak to a sickness mm -hmm. and tell it to leave? Well, yeah, you can. But. But it's not your words. No. It's not you. If I'm speaking, it's God. If I'm speaking God's word. word and, but does that mean it's always going to work? No. No. It's not. I can tell you that I've laid my hands on people and prayed a prayer of faith over, I don't even know what a number would be. Mm -hmm. In almost 40 years of ministry, seeing people healed of all kinds of life-threatening diseases. Yes. Uh, things that just irritate people like sugar diabetes. I've seen that. I've seen God open a boy's eyes up and went blind. I've only seen that once. But but, I, but but what I'm saying, I can also take, take you down the road and talk to you about a whole bunch of people that I prayed for, and they didn't get healed. No. And, and you know, so what, what are we saying in all of that? I don't know why it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. What I know is that God's called us to be authentic. Authentic. He's called us to be not superficial like these people. Yeah. And so I don't mind telling you I pray for people who have died. Okay, I prayed for a lot more that have lived, but I have prayed for people who have died. Mm -hmm. I'm not God. No. Okay, I'm not. How do I put this in a way? We're not responsible for the end result of how we obey God mm -hmm. if we're obeying Scripture. That's right. What I'm responsible is to obey. Yeah. And, it, and, and this ain't got anything to do with healing right here. I think it apply to that. Yeah. But it. it so if we're talking about prayer, if we're talking about, he mentions tithing here, mm -hmm. whatever we're oh, doing he's for God, of stuff in those roles. Yeah. if we're obeying God and we're doing it from a pure heart, yeah. not to be seen by men, yeah. then God will honor that. But That's what, what it means. But you see, the thing is, so many want to save face. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, <laughs> this touches so many areas. i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to come back, um, we're going to finish this up, and I think we need to delve a little, just one more time deep into this. Because um, these rants, I want to talk a little bit about my experience, what we, what we saw on the disappointment and the results of superficiality. Um, it's sad. It can be really sad. 
But at the same time, let's come back again. I mean, this touches different areas. That's what I'm saying. And I, I told people, come on, listen to us this week and do the podcast. Because we're talking about things that touch every base of our Christianity. We try to save face when somebody doesn't get healed. We pray for them, or a preacher does. They don't get healed. And so what do we say? Well, they didn't have enough faith. Yeah, well, we try to make excuses because we don't want to be perceived as unspiritual. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing you don't do. You do not project someone not getting healed as that's their fault, not yours. Yeah. And, and, and somehow or another, their faith wasn't good enough, or they have sin. Or they have this, or they yeah. have that. There you always know, has to be some sort of answer. You know, maybe maybe, maybe the problem is the person doing the praying. You know, and I, that's the first place I look. Something wrong with me. I don't go outside that. That's how I look at all of it. That's what we need to do. Because it grieves me when I pray for someone and it don't work out. And even though there are not a bunch of them, every one I remember by name. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've yeah. seen so many get prayed for. I mean, this is not a circus. You know, we, uh, my wife, we had some time to kill before we had to get on the plane coming back. And we went over to Circus Circus it, because there was, it was family. I mean, that's a, we should have stayed here anyway. But uh, because it was family, a lot of families in there. Kids are all having a good time. Acrobats and all this type of thing and all that. And th th there's a reason why Las Vegas has a lot of magicians in there. Because I'm going to tell you what, it is a sleight of hand. And but we'll, we'll talk a little bit more next week about that. But the thing here is this. We cannot reduce Christianity and the church and the way we operate to a circus, to some sort of sleight of hand thing. I've seen I've seen pastors do the leg lengthening stuff and and all this type of thing. Remember Jim Jones used to get raw liver pieces and to try to make people believe that he was that they their people were coughing up their cancer. I, I mean the kind of stuff. God, it's a wonder why God says judgment has to begin in the house of God. We are not those people. No. we got to be genuine and we got to be real. We're not perfect, but we are not those people. Anyway, I, I don't want to end on a down note. <laughs> but at the same time, that is what we're talking about here. We've got to be real. Our, uh, we want you to come back again. I'm going to have part two rants on, uh, from Vegas next week. We're going to talk. I want to talk, and like I said, let's deal with the after effects of what superficiality in the church, as well as what I witnessed, or what we even got, just maybe even a slight glimpse of, of what the superficiality of Vegas does to people. So anyway, I want you to tune in next week. God bless you all. Uh, we'll be praying for you. Um, Pastor, let's pray. Can you, let's just pray for the people. To, Can I pray an hour? For an hour? Okay. No. <laughs> okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this podcast. And, uh, and, and Lord, the Word, I believe you led us by the Holy Spirit to talk about the things we talked about. We thank you for that. Mm -hmm. 
But Lord, what we pray for most of all is that you would receive glory in everything we say today. Lord, it truly is an audience of one. And I realize there will be a lot of people that watch this. And we're thankful for every one of them. Yes. Pray you bless every one of them. I pray for anyone that watches this that does not know the Lord. Mm -hmm. That they will come to repentance. Yes. Acknowledge yes. the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. A belief that you raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible says it'll be saved. Lord, I pray for that. Because, God, that's what you want. That's your desire. You told, uh, Paul told Timothy that. He said he desires that all men might be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so that's why we do this podcast. We do it to provide a foundation for people, but we also do it because we believe that there are people who watch this. And, and maybe somebody who doesn't know God. Maybe somebody who thinks they know God, but somehow or another the Holy Spirit will bring that conviction to them. Lord, that's what we pray. And so we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Be back here. We'll be back at it next week again. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week in the Lord.